Welcome to The Gold Report, where we inspire you to be 10% more courageous. What is it that we mean when we say to be 10% more courageous? You know, you look at somebody else's life and you think, wow, that's just so courageous. I could never do that. And I get that a lot. You know, Dr. Gold, you were so courageous. You spoke up in 2020, et cetera. But the threshold isn't for you to be anybody else. The threshold is for you to push yourself in your own life to be 10% more courageous. That might mean speaking up at work if they are insisting that you do something that you know isn't right, such as putting a cloth over your face when you don't want to do such a thing. Or um, in my case, as an emergency physician, when they weren't allowing family members in to see their own relatives who were patients, pushing back on things like that, I say takes only about 10% more courage. And in fact, if all of us did about 10% more courageous activity in our daily life, specifically, we push back a little bit more with our speech, with our friends and our family and our coworkers and even our boss, if we each engage in about 10% more courageous activity, we are going to win this battle for our inalienable human rights and freedom. God bless America. We have a fantastic guest today. Um, her name is Dr. Angie Farella. Dr. Farella is passionate about pediatrics. She's a very experienced pediatrician in Texas. She works closely with her patients to help them achieve their optimal health. She completed her postdoctoral training, residency training at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston. In 2004, she founded Brighter Tomorrow Family Health and Wellness. Since 2020, her practice has grown significantly. She was early to see the need for out-of-the-box thinking doctors, and she asked other like-minded providers to join her practice. When other doctors around her would not see patients, she opened a practice up to people across the country, including adults, um, via telehealth appointments. She became a trusted resource for parents and for individuals who are trying their best to cope with their health and wellness needs and not be forced to do something that they didn't believe in. Dr. Farello is an early um, outspoken advocate for health freedom. It's my pleasure to welcome her to the Gold Report. Hello, Dr. Farello. Great to see you. Great seeing you as well. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I really am um, looking forward to talking with you today. And there was two things I wanted to talk with you about. And the first is just, um, you know, the whole purpose of the Gold Report is to inspire people to take more courageous action. There's lots and lots of podcasts out there, and so we're not rehashing the news. But what we are trying to do is move the needle a little bit to get people excited and inspired and not afraid to take action. So honestly, I think of you a lot when I think of that. You and I met in 2020 um, when, you know, the world just kind of shifted or shifted on its axis, our perspective. And then, of course, I was super active with America's Frontline Doctors, and you were somewhat active with America's Frontline Doctors. But then you went off and did a lot of your own things. That if, if you could tell our audience a little bit about that, because from the perspective of one doctor, one person, taking courageous action can really change things up. Yeah, well, you know, back in 2020, I was just looking for my tribe. <laughs> And, yeah. and that's what American Frontline Doctors was for me. It was it was my tribe. And um, once I found my tribe and, and kind of got to the perspective where I'm not by myself, um, this is this is not, you know, I'm not this weirdo that's off the left side and all this crazy stuff. Then then that's kind of what inspired me. Right. Because then all of a sudden you realize, OK, you're not alone. 
And, and that at least gave me some perspective right there. When, when we got together from all across the country, that was fantastic. But I, I felt um, moved to actually do something more locally because I really feel that if you work locally, then the, the effect will ripple out. So I still do national stuff. I still run around, do things like that. But within our local community, um, it, it allowed me to help and try to reach out to other doctors that maybe were like me, scared, put away, staying far back, you know, staying in the shadow, hanging out in the corner, um, being a wallflower um, because of fear. And what I learned really quickly was you've got to just throw the fear to the side and move forward. Right. And so that's what I did. And so I started reaching out to other doctors and I said, you know, how can we get together more often in a more constructive way? What do we all need? And that was when I started with the, the Freedom Doctors Alliance. So we call ourselves the new FDA. And um, that's that. we started doing conferences because we wanted to share experiences. We needed support. We needed to help each other, you know, learn new things because we know that allopathic medicine misses out on a lot of stuff. Now, for years and years and years, I've been doing kind of holistic slash functional slash um, non-allopathic means in my pediatric practice. But, you know, it really gave us an opportunity to branch out and look for other things. Um, and so that was really encouraging too. And it was, it was great that I put it together as a pediatrician. I just don't think I'm, um, what's the word I, I, you know, I think I'm, I, I can bring people together a little bit because I'm used to speaking to all different age groups and making things more simpler to understand, keeping it real simple and not dealing with a whole lot of complication, especially in the practice, because kids are great. Kids are really healthy 99% of the time. And, you know, so it's a really good perspective. And I also have just a different perspective because I watch kids grow and I help them grow. So, you know, that just having that going into it and then realizing that there's other doctors around me that understand and also feel the same way was very empowering. And so that's, that's really amazing. Yeah. So that's amazing. So we want to tell everybody, you know, when this first started in 2020, I, I started speaking out just because it was the right thing to do. And I actually got fired from my work as an emergency physician. And I, I absolutely remember it was really scary. I had spent a lot of years in training to be kind of at the peak of my career. And all of that was essentially being um, ripped away from me. And I do understand the fear. I do know that it's scary. And I know that for Dr. Farella, right, it was it was maybe you didn't have that drama, but it was the unknown, right? It's the unknown of, of, of going from one side to the other. And, but life is way better. Yeah. Life is way better when you have all this integrity and you find your peers. Absolutely. And that's, that was pretty much what shifted for us is that we, we went back to the basics. We went back to the fundamentals. Like what, why did we go into medical school? Why did we become doctors? I think a lot of times when you're doing your day to day, you forget really at your core, why did I start this in the first place? Like, why would we spend half of our lives in training to not use our brains? Honestly, I mean, that's where I got to. When I hit that wall, I was just like, I cannot believe that we spent all these years in training and other people around me are just staring at a blank wall and I and I see something so different. And I just didn't understand that. And so it was so it was so inspiring to to meet all the rest of the doctors that came in for AFLDS and that, then I was like, okay, I'm not the crazy one. Everyone else is crazy. (laughs) And um, it it. it really does help because, 
you know, you start doubting yourself, you know, I'm right. sure you did too. You were like, did I do the right thing? Like, yeah. And I, it, it, so you, I, I just, I mean, I honestly, I just love your story because you're one of the, you're one of the doctors who just ran with it and just did her own thing. And people always say fear is contagious, but I always, my answer is, you know, courage is contagious too. And, you know, we just had to find each other and then, and then we could each be super effective in our own lane. And I love what you just said that. Why did you bother going to school for all of those years? If you're not going to think you're not going to use your brain for sure. hundred percent. So everyone who's listening, you need to take 10% more courageous action in your own life. That's all it takes. It really just takes like 10% extra and not to be afraid. So thank you so much for that. I had a, another kind of huge question that is so, uh, I'm sure, near and dear to your heart. I cannot wait to hear what you have to say. So this hit Twitter recently was the story or the, the policy statement, I guess, from Texas. Is it Texas Children's Medical Center? Is Texas that the problem? Children's name? Hospital. Texas Children's Hospital. So Texas Children's Hospital put out a statement um, that they really would not be seeing unvaccinated children. This was so shocking to me. Again, my perspective as an emergency physician is we take care of everybody who shows up. We take, I have personally taken care of people who have been convicted of murder, people who've been convicted of rape. I've taken care of many DUI um, uh, drivers. Uh, I've taken care of domestic violence abusers it just doesn't matter anyway so this was really shocking i cannot wait to hear your like opinion on this like you know and there's so many layers to this right has this ever happened before has a children's hospital ever said they're not going to take care of a subcategory of patient and you know what your perspective is as a pediatrician well this is you know i'm in houston i'm in southeast houston so texas children's pediatric associates are all around me um and you know and we're in texas Right. So you're, you're thinking, OK, how did this card get dealt? I don't understand. Well, here's the perspective that I have. Number one, to Texas Children's Hospital and all the physicians that are in that uh, group that agree with this policy statement. Thank you for the business, because basically what's happening is they're flocking here. Why? Because I've always held true to partnering with families and we determine as a team what's best but you ultimately, as the parent, always have the last say, right? And so I think with all the, what I call COVID crazy and all the debacle of 2020 is that people have really lost perspective and they're more, they're more um, inclined to follow the sheep and the, you know, and, and the flock than to actually stand back from there and be the shepherd and say, wait a minute, this might not be a good idea. We've known forever that the immunization quote unquote guidelines from the CDC is not a cookie cutter process, but it has become that. We know though, for years and years and years, that there is always an exception to every rule in medicine, period, end of, st end of statement. We know this. So for them to have to put this blanket out, it's, I think it's really something that they're trying to, um, I don't really know what they're trying to do, to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm walking around in their head going, how can you do this? Because you're pushing people away. This is a discriminatory practice. Right. And I don't understand how you can discriminate against children, babies, because their parents' viewpoint is, hey, can we wait? And this, is, this includes delayed vaccination schedule. This includes family history of a severe adverse event to a vaccine. This includes that if a parent has a severe event, you know, in my practice for years, you know, if a parent told me, hey, I had a severe event with a vaccine, I don't give that vaccine. 
like we, we, we totally put the brakes on. So, and this is not a new thing. This is something I've been doing for a long time. Right. And um, that's, and that used to be called good medical care, right? That used right. to be called good medical care. You know, sometimes you, I don't know if you saw that story about a 15 month old child who went in for their, uh, they had several shots, I think five or six shots that day. A couple of days later, et cetera, et cetera, high fever, the child died. But what I found so alarming about that story is that the child had clearly some kind of reaction to vaccines early when they were like three or four months old, also had a high fever. And I'm thinking that you're living in a state now or, or in a system that wouldn't even grant a medical exemption, even when you saw that the child had a big problem with the first set. I want to say for the record, for my viewers who don't know Dr. Farella, when I first met Dr. Farella, we haven't talked about it in a while, but she, you know, she really didn't have any issue with vaccines. She's, as she described, she, you know, was in consultation with the family, but it wasn't as though she came from a certain perspective. In fact, I remember our conversations well, and your perspective was really pro-vaccine. You know, you've given thousands and thousands and thousands of vaccines in your career. And we're not going to like go back into that again. I just want to say for the record, like that's where she comes from. That's where she stands from. So you're having a doctor who's given thousands of vaccines over her course of her career, and she's pretty astonished. So my question to you is, I didn't understand how much money was at stake with complying with the vaccine schedule. I had no idea as a physician. Mm -hmm. So do you want to speak on that for a little bit? You know, do you think that's kind of what's going on here? I'm sure that's part of it because, you know, there's, there's all these guidelines and all these, you know, you can get bonuses and all this stuff. And it's a very large hospital system. And I'm sure that if they comply with a certain percentage of vaccinated patients, they may get bonuses or money. They definitely get discounts on, on high volume vaccine purchases for sure. We know that there's programs out there for that. Even as a small doc, you know, they, they would help us with that as well um, in years past, but, you know, but still, you know, look at the person in front of you, look at the child in front of you. Yeah. This is what we're talking about. You know, we can't just say, okay, cookie cutter, we're doing this for everyone. And, and another thing that I've noticed is that parents will tell a doctor, for instance, Hey, I think my kid had a little problem with this vaccine. Cause as a pediatrician for 25 plus years, every time I go in for a well child check, my first question out of my mouth is, did your child have any problems with any previous vaccines? That has always been my first question because I always want to know, okay, is there an issue? Is there any problems? And, and you know, 99% of the time they were like, no, they were fine. Okay. No fever, nothing. Yeah. Everything was fine. So, you know, that's when I was like, okay, you know, we can proceed. You understand this is going to be the same, whatever. Okay. But now what's happening is that there's a dictatorial relationship from a physician to a family now in these systems. And it's because above them, there's pressure to get money. And I, you know, and, and unfortunately I do know that this occurs even on the adult side with MSSP and Medicare Advantage, they give bonuses if you do all, you know, cross every T, dot every I and put a period at the end of the, of the statement. So yes, there is financial incentive for sure. Somewhere. So I, I have two more questions for you. One is, are you optimistic or pessimistic or, or neither, you know, about the future of pediatric medicine? There are, in my observation, very few pediatricians who will buck the system, less than other specialties. I think the reasons are varied, but that has been my observation. So are you, what, what is your feeling about pediatrics going forward, pediatricians going forward? I, th I think you're right, you know, and that's really scary because here's one of the issues is that doctors like me who've been in practice for 20 plus years who saw 
that rotavirus was pulled off the market in 99. So we, we visually saw that. So we actually had this perspective like, oh, okay, VAERS is working or this, or this tracking system works, right, until 2020. So the younger docs never saw that system in place. They never really understood that this actually happened. They only know the dictatorial side. They only know you're supposed to do this. This is how you do it. This is following the rules. They're all on EMR. So it's all, you have to click, 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 or the EMR goes berserk on you and you get flashing lights and, you know, red signals and all this stuff. So they become conditioned. So this is, uh, you know, you and I, you and I are here actually to attest because of our age, we're like the similar age group that we have seen it from before, during and after. And you're right. The younger doctors coming along have no idea that there was a system that was functional, that if there was a safety signal, you know, the shot would be pulled off the market. That's happened many, many times. It just was completely ignored after COVID. And the fact that there's so much financial interplay, the fact that the agencies seem to be captured by people who were used to be working for big pharma, go in and out the door. This is a huge problem, I think, for pediatrics going forward. And by the, not just pediatrics. I'm, I'm not only picking on pediatrics, but it's, it's, I do think there's a lot of money in the pediatrics. And that brings me to my second question, which is, again, I just read that if you comply with the vaccine schedule, that that means you, a child from birth to 18 would need 100 shots. Have you heard this? It's like, um, it's like yeah, a so that is including flu shots, which are not required. Um, so it's including every possible shot. So, you know, if you take 18 shots away, including the, the second one, so in flu, influenza, for instance, that'd be one shot a year. Plus if you add the extra one, the first year, right. So, so you're looking at 19, so, just so that. So my question for you, as you are just your professional opinion, as a very experienced pediatrician who has seen thousands and thousands of patients, does this make sense to you that a human being would need 100 doses of anything just to maintain health? Like, do you come from the perspective that a baby is born, you know, generally speaking, fundamentally healthy enough to manage in this world? Because the implication when you hear that, if you're not a doctor, is, well, there must be something wrong with the protoplasm in front of me that it can't function in the world. What is your opinion? Yeah, true. And and unfortunately, you know, I've seen the the vaccine schedule get added onto and added onto and added onto over the years. Um, you know, my perspective initially, like I, you and I have both worked in emergency rooms. So we both know that haemophilus influenza type B is bad. We also know meningitis is bad. We know pneumococcal disease can be very, very, very bad. Right. But in the big global scope of things, and I said this back in 2020, as you might recall, everything good about vaccine that could have possibly been out there now is destroyed. It has been completely destroyed. Our trust, even in trusting people like myself who had no problems with vaccines in my practice because I asked the question, I follow my patients, and we take precautions. So, and, and delay or, or stop. I mean, we've done that forever. So, you know, you have to understand at this, at this turn point, who do we believe? Who do we believe? Especially if you just look back in the last six months and you watch TV for an hour, almost every single commercial is a pharma-based commercial anymore. Like no other company in the world needs to market on television. Are you kidding me? And it's like, it's horrible. And that used to be illegal. It used to be illegal. In the beginning of my career, pharmaceutical companies were not allowed to advertise on television. So of course it's huge. So now- I mean, and that, it used to drive me crazy, right? I'm sure it drove you crazy. People would come in and say, hey, I want to be on this because I heard that it's blah, blah, blah in my magazine or on television. 
I'm like, well, your TV is not Dr. Google, you know, and it's not, yeah. you know, this may not be right. So this, this is direct to consumer marketing. It's very dangerous, but it cuts us out of the loop. Right. PPOs cut and us out of the loop. Right? And, and so increases market big demand. Business, yeah. Big business medicine has cut the doctors out and yeah. that's very dangerous because I don't know about you, but I don't want an AI computer generated thing taking care of me in my old age. I just, yeah. I don't want it. And I especially don't want it. Not only do would we not want that just from a um, psychological and, and accuracy as well as perspective, but we don't want it because they're all going to be protocolized. And then yeah. where, where is the room for the individual query that you said you started out, you know, all of your patient interactions with? I just want to share with you as right as we close that um, I do absolutely remember when pharmaceutical advertising was illegal. I've spoken of it often that my father, a physician, had said to me when pharmaceutical ads became legalized in America, he said this was going to destroy medicine. And I was young and I didn't understand how he said that with such certainty. I mean, he wasn't vague about it. He said, this will destroy medicine. And I think we're the only nation or one of only two nations that allows direct-to-consumer advertising. And you're right, you turn on the TV, that's all you see is big pharma ads. Um, so Dr. Farley, your perspective um, as a independent thinking pediatrician is incredibly valuable. I hope you become just you know, you are really one of the foremost leaders in pediatrics, really in our nation. And I hope you can do something about um, this poor state of Texas, because we all look to Texas to, you know, for the health freedom. And it was very, very upsetting to hear that this, you know, this happened in, in Texas. So Godspeed to you. Keep, keep pushing forward. Um, you're a good example of 10% more courage. Um, will you share with the audience, we are going to put up your website. And if you just would like to say it for people who are listening. Sure. Um, so our website is uh, www, see how old I am, huh? <laughs> dot abt, the number four kids.com or the freedom doctor alliance.com is our other website. So that's really awesome. And uh, um, across all social media platforms, I'm Angie Farella, MD. So nice and easy. It's always great to see you, Simone. So much fun. I can't wait to see you again really soon in person. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. God bless and have a Merry Christmas if I don't talk with you before then. Yes. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. God bless. Bless. You're listening to The Gold Report with Dr. Simone Gold. Today, we bring you another installment of the Deadly Disinformation Dozen video. This is Deborah Burks, otherwise known as Scarf Lady. Enjoy. The White House pointed to an aggressive online misinformation effort by a handful of bad actors. Misinformation on social media is killing people. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccines. I, what I said was we didn't know at that time um, whether the vaccines would provide that protection or not. Well, actually, I think what you said is I asked you the question when when the government told us that if if the, that the vaccinated could not get the virus, I asked you if that was a guess or a lie. And you said, I don't know. If you have a question that you would like me to answer, please submit it to thegoldreport.com. Click on contact. Look forward to hearing from you. And if it's a question that a lot of people have, we will certainly answer it on the show. Thanks for joining me today in The Gold Report, where we inspire you to be 10% more courageous. Share and subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you next time. 